You're listening to the Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp Podcast for people passionate about making a positive change. We believe understanding your audience is the key to maximum impact, and behavioral science takes this to a whole new level. Join your host, Ruth Dale, and expert guests to explore biases, beliefs, why we do what we do, and why we don't do what we said we would do. Hey, a quick question for you before the episode starts. Do you want to uplevel your communications with the must-have behavioral science skills 2021? If that's a yes, then come and join the hundreds of professionals that have already been through bootcamp. The next date is October the 19th, 2021. And we have got an awesome, incredible, amazing bonus for you. So I'm going to leave you hanging and check it out at www.socialinsightmarketing.co.uk. Hello, you are listening to a bonus episode dedicated to Comms Camp Still at Home, the unconference for busy public sector communicators. It is so popular that the first release of tickets were sold out in under three minutes and there is over 100 people on the waiting list. We are uber excited. So proud to be the official sponsors this year. So Behaviour Change Marketing Bootcamp is the proud sponsor of Comms Camp Still at Home. And I have here today three of the committee members, Dan, Lucy and Bridge, who are going to explain a little bit more about how it works. So without further ado, let's just dive in and say hello. Over to you, Dan. Hello, my name is Dan Slee. I'm a freelance communications consultant who specialises in the public sector. I used to be a journalist and used to be used to work in local government. And I, I co-founded the event in 2013. And uh, I'm with Lucy and also Bridget. Hi, I'm Lucy. I am media and communications officer at Wilden District Council. So I've attended some training sessions of Dan. So that's how we first met. And then subsequently, I joined the public sector comms headspace group over on Facebook. So any public sector um, comms professionals definitely suggest you go and um, give that a look if you're not already a member. And yeah, and that's how I ended up getting involved in comms camp. So yeah, I've been was asked by um, Dan to just help out with the organisation and admin side of things this year. And it, I actually attended my first comms camp event which was the online one last year so I haven't had the experience of actually going to one in person but I have been to the one online and it was a great experience so I just wanted to obviously attend here today hopefully allay anybody's fears or apprehensions or if they're not sure what to expect. Thank you Lucy and over to you Bridget. Hi, so I'm Bridge. I am a public sector comms person. I've done police, fire and local government and I'm currently working for Sellafield Limited and helping them with their decommissioning mission. I think I went to the first comms camp and was a bit of a prolific attendee and so then late 2016, early 2017, Dan got in touch with me and said, hey, I fancy doing something in the north and you're a prolific northerner and comms camper. So why don't we do something together? So we did and we have done every year since. So we've done the north, we've done Manchester, Bradford and Sheffield. 
And then we took it online last year and it's brilliant. And it's a fantastic way to get some learning and find out stuff and get help with all your comms problems. So I'm here to come and talk to people about that today and really diffuse about it. Oh, thank you so much. It's brilliant to have you here. Real dedication, energy and enthusiasm over such a long period of time. Hats off to you both for, you know, keeping it going. And it's actually now, as I understand it, one of the world's largest public sector unconferences, if I understand that correctly. And it takes place online. So no excuses for no one not being able to get there. And there is actually a waiting list in motion because tickets are so popular. So we will, of course, put all the dates and links up in the show notes for everyone, but it probably is worth mentioning the dates are the social is on the September the 21st, and then it takes place on day one and day two, September the 22nd and September 23rd, 9.30 to 1 p.m. And actually, I love that, the fact that it was the morning. You know, I didn't have to block out the whole day and it made it much more accessible for me. So, Dan, can I put to you, please tell us what is an unconference? I genuinely don't know. This is my first time. I've heard it before, but not really registered it. So, you're speaking to newbies now. How would you explain what it is and why it's so popular? Okay, uh, brilliant. Well, firstly, thanks for inviting us and also thanks for sponsoring as well, Ruth. Really pleased to work with people who know what they're talking about, who do good stuff of which mm-hmm. you're one. Um, oh, so, our pleasure. So an unconference basically is an event where the agenda gets decided on the day by attendees, not by three people guessing three months before the event, working out what might be important three months down the track. In an ever-changing world, in different times, um, I think it's got a real uh, value. So I first went to an unconference in, in 2009 thinking, what the hell is this? There's no agenda. How, how is this supposed to work? And I only went because a couple of people who were already rated were, were going. So I went along, stood in this room at the start, and they said, okay, now we're going to work out what the sessions are. And again, I was thinking, what the hell? And um, it was I found it really refreshing um, that the people um, who go along could choose what's being talked about. It might be something which they've done really well um, and want to share the sweets a bit. It might be something that they're really struggling with. It might be something which they, they just want to meet some like-minded mm. people to try and crack the particular problem. What we try and do is is encourage attendees to come along and to take part in sessions too. So it's not a 45 minutes of PowerPoint where everyone just listens to someone droning on about something which they're not going to tell you all the stuff that went wrong because that's just <laughs> the nature of people. It's more of be able to sort of stick your hand up and say, well, well, how did that work? Because when I did this, that happened. So that's the general shape of it, really. And in terms of why I think they're good ideas, and the very first one I went to, which was local gov camp in 2009, I remember putting my hand up and chipping in a couple of times and then just thinking, crikey. So I do have an opinion that's that's valid along with other people. One of the things, and I'm sure Lucy and Bridge will, will touch upon it, is they're always really keen not to have, just to leave job titles at, at the door, really. So everyone's on the same level. You could be a marketing assistant with two weeks' worth of experience. You're on exactly the same level as um, head of communications if it's been around for 35 years. What you've got to say and your experience, just as valid. So that's the general shape of it. I do appreciate that cold. It sounds like slightly weird Californian. Well, that sounds great in principle, but how the how the hell is this going to work, Dan? But, but it's 
it just seems to work if you keep it simple um it seems to work okay I, I have to admit until i attended my first one last year and that was online i did i thought exactly that down i thought oh this sounds a bit mad i'm not sure how this is going to go where's the structure i need some control i need some structure. <laughs> but it does it really works and like dan said it's just an opportunity for everybody to get together share ideas share problems titles at the door and yeah, the agenda setting um, on the day as well, you kind of, I kind of thought, well, how's this going to work? Isn't that going to take up an awful lot of time? And that's a really easy, straightforward process. I think the only thing we probably would ask people to do maybe in advance, which is what we've started to do a bit now in our promotion on um, Facebook and LinkedIn and the rest of it, is to just get people thinking about pitches and ideas and what they might bring so that it's not something that you're kind of stuck for thinking about on the day. Yeah. So Lucy, what makes a good pitch? I guess a good pitch, it can really be about anything. I guess a good pitch is something that's going to relate to a lot of people. But then saying that, if it doesn't relate to a lot of people in terms of they're not experiencing it, then there's going to be, there's certainly in my experience, always going to be someone who's willing and able to offer their opinion and their advice and support to something, even if they might not be going through it themselves. So I guess my advice would be not to be afraid, um, not certainly not to be afraid of pitching. It can literally be on anything work-related or well-being related, comms-related, because obviously a lot of us during the past 18 months with COVID as well, we've all had different experiences of having to deal with that alongside work. That's had an incredible impact on people. So we're hoping to use this space as well. You know, although it is predominantly obviously comms-related, but you know, people are also welcome to share those types of experiences and how it has impacted them and impacted their work and hopefully get some support and advice if they need it. That's fantastic, Lucy, because uh, you mentioned the Headspace Facebook group. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is in there as well. I find loads of useful wellness advice and comments and incredible support from people, as well as the more practical, you know, comms techniques and tips and tricks and things. So on the day, as a newbie, I'm thinking, okay, I can pitch either for a work-based question or a wellness question. Mm -hmm. But how would I actually do that? What does a pitch look like? How long does it last for? Well, so we start the day, I believe we're going to do it Danbridge, how we did it last year in that everybody gets, you know, we say go and then everybody starts typing their pitches into the chat function on the, this year. We're actually doing it. Are we doing it on Zoom? Yeah, it's Zoom, isn't it? Yes, Zoom, yeah. So, yeah, so we'll be doing just putting your pitches via the Zoom function and then there's going to be people on our sort of organising committee who are tasked during the day to sort of look through all of those, pick some out. And then I think, what do we normally do? Is it a show of hands or a... We did a bit of a jazz hand thing. Bit, oh, we did jazz hand because I, time. I hadn't figured out that there was a button that you could press on Zoom to see that. Mm. But it sort of added to the event. I got everybody to give a, a big wave and stuff. And if the way we did it is use that functionality of the chat, like Lucy said, but then invite people to put a bit more meat on the bone of their pitch and, and say a few words on it. And I think traditionally in person, we kept it to about 30 seconds, didn't we, Dan? That the, yeah, 20, 30 seconds over there, yeah. But it doesn't even need to be that much. It can be one word. And so I can think of one that is always a really popular pitch that always gets the vote to to be put on. And that's a therapy session or a rant session. So somebody might just come up and say <laughs> therapy. And of course, you're going to get the show of hands because that's where, you know, there'll be a lot of problem solving. But actually, it's just the place to get stuff off your chest, which is to talk about that annoying contact who always comes with a huge campaign request and it needs 
delivering tomorrow because they've not planned and so anything and goes they've designed their own logo <laughs> yeah, yeah anything, you've got to do some stuff <laughs> it doesn't even need to be that sophisticated that well thought through just whatever whatever comes to mind really something that um, either you feel strongly about want a view on have a problem with like Bridget said just want to just need to rant at somebody there'll, there'll be sounds- a lot of a lot of willing ears yeah, it does sound a bit like, you know, gosh, when we were all back in the office, remember that? It feels so long ago. But you might have a chat with someone whilst you're making a cup of tea or, you know, it's the meetings that take place outside those team building sessions where no one's there and actually everyone's diving into the shortbread. It's those kind of questions that really make it work well because it's very real, isn't it? Very authentic from people. Mm-hmm. Someone far wiser than me who, who was doing these far earlier than I was, uh, Lloyd Davis and Dave Briggs, who, who did the first UK Gov Camps and, and UK and, and Level Gov Camp, described it as taking people out of their comfort zone and putting them somewhere more comfortable. But also describing it as it's like the, the tea break at a, as a traditional event, only stretch over the whole of the day. So, so you can go up to people and say, "Well, how did that work? Because that didn't work for me." And they could say, "Well, do you know what? This this went wrong, and that went wrong, and all the rest of it." Without their boss being in the audience, thinking, "Can't really tell people this kind of stuff." But it's that stuff that can be the difference between success and, and failure, and knowing that you're barking up the right tree. And to be honest, one of the best sessions that I ever chanced upon was a pitch by someone with a really obscure bit of functionality about LinkedIn. Only two people put their hand up. So three people in a room, and I was thinking, I hope this goes well. And I, I, I went in, just, just dropped into the session. Those three people were the happiest people in the whole day. I mm-hmm. found my fellow traveller this really niche thing of LinkedIn who don't think I'm mad, and now we're going to swap the email addresses and just do great things with, with LinkedIn. And I just think, God, that's great. That's really, really great. Seeing light bulbs go on above people's heads is is, is perhaps what, what I enjoy most out of it and if sometimes it's my head sometimes it's other people's heads yeah that's that's fine and what about this you don't have to bring a powerpoint you, so that's correct you don't have to prepare or bring a powerpoint so it's better it's about conversation and i think that's one of the, the, the key things that's at the heart of this which is informality rules because actually we know the best stuff evolves out of real genuine two-way conversation and that's what all the sessions are it's not anyone trying to say my problem's worse than yours or I did this campaign better than everyone else because that's the other thing to say about it's not always about problem solving it's about sharing good stuff as well so you know one of my favorite sessions that I always go to and is always packed out is we have a a media law expert who's who's come to some of them and he always digests the latest guidance and says I'm going to chat about the latest updates and and tell you what I I know from the reading that I've done so you don't have to and everyone piles in and is like that's amazing thank you very much and you know it's about passing on knowledge and that doesn't need to be I find knowledge normally doesn't get passed on via doing PowerPoint. So it's absolutely preferable not to prepare and just let the conversation flow to share the good stuff, problem solve together and really have that quality time where you can share some pain as well. Yeah, I think oh, it all sounds fantastic. Sorry, Lucy, go no, on. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, Ruth, that you brought up a good, you made a good point about the public sector, the comms headspace, the Facebook group, because there obviously is a linkage there, given that, you know, similar same people are involved. But I think for me, it is almost like a, it's a live head. It's a live headspace session. 
isn't it, comms camp, that we can all get together, you know, rather than posting something on the Facebook wall, we're actually all there in real time having these conversations and, and getting the answers to the questions and queries that we want to know about. So I think if there, if there is an analogy there somewhere, that that's probably quite a good one for, for anybody who's not sure what it's all about. Oh, that's fantastic. And I know that is going to bring it fresh to people's minds and really does really help explain it. Thank you, Lucy. I just got distracted there because there's, there's the most gorgeous dog on screen. What's his name again, Bridge? Uh, so this is Tiggy. Where I go, the dog goes. So yeah, if, if people weren't convinced about the conversation and the possibility to hear good stuff and solve their problems, we are having a bit of a pet's corner on uh, comms camp staying at home this year. So pets Yay. have been a big part of everybody's working life for the last 18 months. So bring your pets too. They're thoroughly welcome. Yay. And we were having the cats and dogs conversation earlier. So are cats and dogs both equally welcome? Yes. <laughs> That's a definitive yeah, yes from me, Ruth. Cats, dogs, rabbits, butcher guards, all welcome. Um, I, I tend to self-identify as a dog person. So that's me. But everyone wants to, wants to bring pets fine. And and it doesn't end there, does it? There's I heard, uh, well, I saw, sorry, some posts. There's curry and cake. What's all that about? Yeah, so for the official comms camp starts, we always have a pre-event social. So this year that's happening on September 21st. And a couple of our committee members, Kate and Josie, they have organised a quiz. So we're going to have a classic curry and quiz night on the 21st. And that's just an opportunity for everybody who perhaps might feel a bit apprehensive about attending the event if, they, if perhaps they don't know people or not yeah. not quite sure what to expect yeah just have a really it's just super informal um you can either cook your own curry get one delivered in and uh and yeah just in, enjoy the quiz and just enjoy just chatting to people really and cake i'm sure i saw some posts mentioning cake so cakes or baking's always been a big part of it. In in the in-person events, we've always had a cake stand, people bake, bring, pay for a slice, and all the, the money from that goes to a charity. So, you know, we want to put some good stuff at the heart of all of this. So it's I'm not a baker myself, so I'm probably the worst person to speak on it. But um I do love my cake. It's always provided a bit of a talking point and a focal point for just giving a bit back and uh, doing something for charity as well. So we found a way to continue that this year. And we are indeed still going to have our star baker even though we're doing it remotely, aren't we, Dan? Yeah, it's um the first year we did it and we sold raffle tickets in person. You know, you, you buy a piece of cake, you buy a raffle ticket, that goes into the tin. And we had a kind of like star beggar competition, and um, and Kate Bentham, one of our number, has has basically arranged that side of things uh, since the start, and uh, takes it very seriously. And there's a lot of competition for the star baker wooden spoon. Yeah, I still um, think there needs to be a recount after last year myself. I, 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 I'm sorry, but I should have won that. Oh no, Lucy! <laughs> what did you bake, Lucy? I made a Moscow mule-inspired cake so someone else from the group in that they'd actually they'd posted what what did it was peter holt wasn't it what did he make he made some obscure cake that was sort of cocktail inspired so um i was inspired yeah i was inspired by him to do the same so my favorite cocktail is a moscow mule so i managed to incorporate that into a cake i got beaten by someone who was just a bit of a late entry don't think they took it quite as serious as seriously as me but, uh, <laughs> she's still carrying it so are you going to enter again lucy well, are we, should we watch out for you this year yeah oh yes most definitely most definitely Yay. 
Brilliant. So I think there's loads there for everyone to look forward to on the social side as well as the work side. And so much is so needed, isn't it? To be able to, as you said in your words, leave job titles at the door and come and share knowledge and experience and, you know, share solutions to things as well as problems. So we always end the podcast on a same two questions to everyone. So we're going to be really strict because it's the harder question, actually. So it's much more fun. First of all, what book would you recommend to a fellow comms colleague? It can either be in the sort of the guise of comms camp, you know, wellness book or comms marketing book. So let's start with you, Dan. What book would you recommend? The book I'd recommend, I recommend this to anybody, regardless of of comms or, or not, is a book Harold Nicholson's Diaries, 1939 to 45, which sounds really wordy and boring, and I'm sorry. But basically, Harold Nicholson was a diplomat who became an MP and a not very successful MP. And he basically used to write a diary based on everything that he they saw. Um, so you get these amazing passages where 1940 is happening and Britain's about to be invaded, and you're getting a real-time assessment of, of what's going to happen. I like it for a couple of reasons. First, firstly, it's really clearly written. Secondly, he just behaves with real decency. Everything that he does is is decent. He's always trying to aspire to be the decent person in the room, just to steer people towards the right direction. So, so from a commerce point of view, I think that I think there needs to be more decency. Lovely. So that was Harold Nicholson's Harold Nicholson Diary, um, nineteen thirty nine to forty five. You can get it on eBay. Okay, fab. Oh, we'll source some links and stick it in the show notes. Okay. Then. Lucy, what about you? What book would you recommend? Uh, Well, it's actually a fairly recent one. So this is called The Beekeeper of Aleppo, and it's written by um, Christy Lefteri. I think that's how you pronounce it, L-E-F-T-E-R-I. I've read a lot of sort of war books historical things in the past sort of fiction mostly you find a lot of them are world war one world war two based this is actually based on the war in syria and it's about a a couple who they're refugees who flee syria a man and a wife and it's about their journey from syria to the uk and actually i think i decided to suggest it today because it's very sort of um apt and timely with obviously what's going on in afghanistan at the moment obviously the the story i can only imagine would be a very similar tale of anybody traveling from there to the uk but it's just tremendously well written just a really humbling heartwarming upsetting terrifying at times but yeah it's a really good read and it kind of gives you that little bit of insight tiny minuscule insight but very powerful insight of what it must be to be someone in that situation fleeing a war-torn country so i think as a as a comms and as a communicator it's definitely helpful that obviously when we're when we're communicating our support to afghan refugees and the resettlement government resettlement scheme um just to kind of enables me to kind of see it from their side and have a bit of bit more um compassion and empathy That is very humbling, Lucy. Thank you. Even just bringing that up and waving the flag for that is fantastic. We will pop that in the show notes as well. And like you say, any powerful insights that even the tiniest bit of understanding of other people can just go so far. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I don't certainly don't profess to be an expert on it after reading it, but it's just, you know, certainly gives a lot of a lot of food for thought. I certainly. Oh, thank you, Lucy. That's really powerful. And Bridge? 
So my recommendation is The Manchester Man by G. Linnaeus Banks. So it's a very, very old book and it's quite positive and uplifting story about a man found as a baby floating down the river in his crib, unidentified, taken in by a family and from humble beginnings makes something out of himself in the sort of when Manchester was sort of the industrial capital of the world. And it's a really positive story. And the reason I've thought of it for communicators is we're often having to be industrious and make something out of nothing. So uh, ah. it's a good recommendation. Oh, that's fantastic. Thanks, Bridge. And what, yeah, I will stick that in the show notes as well. So just to finish off, and we started doing this in lockdown, just to share a bit of love, spread a bit of love. Dan, what makes you your best self? Being on the beach at Beer in Devon. Yay! <laughs> Represent East Devon. When it's raining oh. and we're, we're underneath the umbrellas, making the most of it, being the last people on the beach, refusing to leave because we live in the Midlands and we never see the sea. So, But, but just laughing about it. That's, that's Usually there's one point during the holiday um, where that happens. And that's great. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, thank you, Dan. Lucy, what makes you your best self? This is a difficult one, but I guess it's it's just enjoying the simplest things, really. I, I wouldn't say that I need a lot or anything complex to be happy or my best self. But yeah, similar to Dan, I'll just enjoy the seaside is my happy place, almost definitely, and probably a bit of a cliche, but spending time with my family and I've got very young nieces. So um, any time that I get to spend with them makes me feel like my best self. Oh, brilliant. Um, Bridge and Tigger, is it? What was his name again? Tiggy. Tiggy. Um, Bridge and Tiggy. Well, obviously, Tiggy makes me my best self. No, I think animals do help you be very mindful. But I think what, what pips that to the post for me is surrounding myself with good people. So be it virtually, be it in person and be that work related or home related. I think so much joy can be got from life by just being around good people. Oh yeah, gosh, well done. Words yeah, that's of wisdom a good one, to end on. Yeah, it's lovely. Thank you so much, everyone. I have to say, your books are fantastic, really different to what we've had. So I'm intrigued now to go and check them out. And I'd say recommend everyone else to do that too. So just a reminder, the Commerce Camp is on September 21st. That's the kickoff curry. And then day one and day two, 22nd and 23rd. And what should guys do if they're on the waiting list, Dan? Just stand by their inbox. In invariably, if there's a wait list of 100, 150, at some stage in the run-up to the event, you might get sent a link. This might come late in the day. Um, and I appreciate that um, you know, people have got things to do and you know they've already got their things in. But if they could just bear with, that would be great. We will try and get as many people yeah. along to one of the days as possible. One of the things I don't think we have touched upon, if I can quickly, is one of the many brilliant things about Comms Camp is that it's a free event, but we do run a fundraiser for a nominated charity. And this year it's the Christie, which is an NHS Foundation Trust in Manchester. So any attendees, if they could keep an eye out on how to um, donate to that, that would be really, really great as well. Thank you. Yeah, fantastic, Lucy. Thank you for flagging that. Can we pop the link for the fundraising link in the show notes as well? We'll send them out when you yeah, have it. Yeah, definitely. 
That'd be fantastic. And anyone, if you can't go, there are people out there really desperate for a session. So let Dan know. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you, Bridge. Thank you, Tiggy. Oh, I just caught, I keep hesitating because he's so cute. You want to reach in through the video. <laughs> so looking forward to comms camp. I'm going to get thinking about my pitch now. I All my fears have been allayed. And I really hope anyone listening who didn't quite know how to do it, all your fears have been allayed too. And I look forward to meeting you all in a few weeks. Thanks for having us, Ruth. Cheers, Ruth. Thank you. Thanks, bye. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to check out the Autumn Boot Camp on our website, www.socialinsightmarketing.co.uk. Check out the new bonus and please do book your place because spaces are limited. Thanks for listening. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, show us some love and leave a review on iTunes. We'll leave you with Ruth's favorite quote from Alice in Wonderland. I knew who I was this morning, but I've changed a few times since then. Got a favorite quote about the magic of change? Tell us over at the Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp Group on LinkedIn. Join us for a Mad Hatter's Tea Party, virtually. 